that's risky. Life is risky knowing that you die yeah, at one yeah. ticket. Yeah, dude, didn't that suck? Hey, good afternoon, Facebook. It's your boy, Ricky Labrador, coming live to you from the Line Mortgage Studio. What up? Booyakasha. <laughs> you know that one? Booyakasha. You know that? Nope. He won't know that. Daniel knows it. He's in the background filming. Bro, that's Ali G. Anyways, look him up. Well, Chris Cano here, and uh, we're going to go today and, and have Ricky do a little bit of interviewing. Uh, Ricky, as you know, has been with me for about three to four weeks operating as an executive, personal, administrative, mm. friendly mm. assistant. Like it. Love it. He's my friend now. Uh, Ricky, do you think it's hard for me to manage you now that we're becoming more uh, friends? Like, do you still... It's becoming a lot easier. It's easier? As I'm, as I'm kind of dissecting you and the do's and don'ts, it kind of becomes a little bit easier you know what to stay away from, what not to say. I was saying some stupid things in the beginning. We can both agree on that. <laughs> but um, yeah, over time you kind of just adjust and I think it's getting a little bit easier. Just got your fresh fade yesterday, looking good. Ricky, as my assistant, so here's kind of how it works a little bit. Uh, he tells me <clears> when the hair starts getting long and he's like, I know of a haircut. And I'm like, there's a um, sports clips across the street and they'll take us in right away. And he's like, no, dude. Uh, they, gotta, didn't take, they didn't take you in, though. Yeah, Is that who you called? No, I called um, the place of the quarry, uh, the boardroom. Oh, That's a little right, fancier. Right. So Ricky goes to a place where it is old school barbershop. I mean, straight razor, and, and like they totally care. So this is me making an effort to care about my hair. The works. The works is what they call it. I feel like a new man. Yes, sir. But I feel like my power was in my hair like Samson. So we'll see how the next seminar <sighs> goes and determine. But Ricky's got some questions. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, as the, the caption says, uh, an entity that came into San Antonio and made friends with a lot of individuals. Um, recently, I've had the pleasure of talking to some of my closest friends about uh, some hardships that they're going through. And when I say I've had the pleasure in our men's group, we are completely vulnerable with one another and share kind of what, what's going on in our lives. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I was in the Navy. I've had a DUI. I've lost my father. I've made bad decisions. I've had $30,000 bar tabs uh, in one night. So, uh, Ricky, in your best interviewing... Begin. So you had a DUI. Man, you're going right to it. Yeah, I had a DUI. Next question. What I think is interesting about that is a lot of people get a DUI and there's this stigmatism that's attached to it. Yeah. That, okay, I got a DUI. I messed up. How am I going to recover from this? Sure. Right. It was worse than that for me. Right. Yeah. So I think it's commendable that something like this happened to you. And then you turn around and you make this shift into building this, what you have today. And now you're even taking it a step forward and you're looking into expanding, you're looking into growth. Yeah. And, and it's incredible. Thanks, so, man. so what I want to know is, and what I'm sure other people want to know out there is how do you overcome that mental, that negative mental block when something like that happens to you? Mm -hmm. How do you? How do you get past that? How do you get past the negativity? How do you start to use that in, for you in your favor instead of, instead of letting it work against you? Hmm. So, good question. Um, recap, it was Valentine's Day. Um, must have been about 10 years ago in Waikiki. There was a roadblock. 
I had gone to dinner, had a glass of wine, fine, two glasses of wine, um, and I couldn't Are get away. Like, man, dude, uh, two glasses of Merlot, man. I'm, <laughs> you know, so I, I wouldn't say lightweight, and, and we've all kind of been in a situation where we're like, mm, I'm good, and mm-hmm. I was good. Um, I don't condone it. I don't think it's a great idea, but I got stuck on a one-way road where they had a, a roadblock, and, and sure enough... Um, I got busted. Now, the hard part of that is when they took me down to uh, the cooler at Honolulu County, I had to spend the night there. And when you check in there for a DUI, there's a military liaison that is like on duty there and basically was asking, um, are you in the military? Yep. Great. Have a nice sleep. And I woke up in the morning and he must have called my command chief at the time and, and they came and they picked me up. And on that morning, I got a haircut. I was like, well, if I'm going to go see the captain, I might as well, uh, I ironed my uniform, I remember polishing my boots, got a haircut, because I knew what was coming after that. What, but was, what was your thought process coming into that? That I'm getting kicked out of the Navy. I was like, I'm screwed. I started thinking about my finances, how much money I had uh, saved up, because I felt like my naval career was coming to an end. It was at a time where uh, Pearl Harbor Shipyard, um, they were making an, uh, an example out of sailors, and so the captain had already mentioned that any sailor that gets a DUI is getting discharged, removed, like they were just not accepting drunk driving in the Navy at that time. I mean, ever really, but really just kind of dropping the hammer. So whenever I got back and I went to, you know, go see the captain, my chief stuck up for me, man. He took his anchors off. He was basically saying, um, I'll do anything possible to keep this guy in the Navy. He's one of the best sailors we have. Saved my career that day. Mm -hmm. So I think the shift that took place was I did not deserve that. So I felt compelled to earn it. Mm. You know what I mean? So for the next two to three years being in the Navy, um, I wanted to be able to, to show that chief that he made the right decision in, in vouching for prove me. Yourself. Yeah, I had to prove myself. So that's what was going on. So did you, would you say that? I feel like that... you're judging me. You judge me? me? No. Yeah. You know I'm never judging you. <laughs> Just kidding, dude. Um, yeah. So, and nobody should be judging because, I mean, everything, things happen and I've made mistakes. My friends have made mistakes. Um you, you make big and, mistakes or little mistakes? All sorts of mistakes, man. Like big, 20, little, everything in between. 22-year-old mistakes. Or 20, you 23? 23-year-old mistakes. I've made 22-year-old mistakes, 21-year-old mistakes. And um, I don't look at L's as a, as a loss. I look at it as a learning experience. I mean, yeah. you can't really... If you, if you go into it with that mindset where, okay, something happened, you know, uh, I, I messed up or... Sure. Uh, I got I got put on the hot seat or whatever it is, and you walk out of that like, oh, I didn't deserve that. Yeah. And you walk out of that like, oh, uh, you know, you, with this entitled feeling like I deserve better, um, sure. worth more. You gotta own it, dude. You gotta own it. It's your you situation. Know? And it's you kind of like it. how Gary Vee talks about it. It's like you know, just take the L, take it yep. with pride, and and turn it into a learning lesson, and then you can grow from that. But um, what I want to ask you is, do you think that getting this DUI? This happening to you, was that a pivotal moment for you in your life to kind of make that mental switch into this, okay, business mindset? You know, I think a lot of people um, use their circumstances from the past to either be a, a motivator or mm. a, um, a deterrent, right? A lot of people, when they come across hardship, there's two different ways you can go. You can completely excel from it or you can turn to the bottle, booze it up, fall into a level of depression, think, oh, poor me, poor me. We talk a lot about that. And so... You know, a, a lot of motivational speakers and leaders now are starting to, you know, talk about how people with rough upbringings or hardships actually turn out to be 
um, make great entrepreneurs. Yeah, make great entrepreneurs and how they kind of have the advantage. And I would strongly disagree because that individual still had a decision to make, right? Um, nobody knows the struggle or the pain or the, the situation somebody's going through in a hardship. That person can easily go left, but they choose to go right. So although the ones that choose to go right may now have an advantage because they have that chip, it's that first initial kind of uh, reaction on how you respond. Mm. Now, um, I don't think that anybody in a season of a hard time really knows what is going to come of it. I think they like when you're in survival mode, you're in survival mode and, and you, you, you respond and you react to kind of preserve yourself and protect yourself. Right. So I don't want to lie uh, and, and say that, man, when that happened, when I got my DUI and when I was about to get kicked out of the Navy, um, you know, it hit me because it did. Let's do this. No, yeah. man. I was like, uh, chief, please, for the love of Jesus, help me keep my job. Help me keep my career. You know, I've I've done um so much leading up to this moment like it'd be such a shame to throw it away and get out on a bad conduct discharge or, or get out um for any reason period it was your so, lollipop moment yeah it was my lollipop mm-hmm. moment man so uh from there it, it you know my career was saved it bounced me to the uss columbus and when i was serving on the uss columbus i got uh you know they have these ranking systems but i'd gotten junior sailor of the quarter junior sailor of the year um was just kind of completely crushing it. I kind of turned my attitude around and became one of the leading um, individuals in my division at that Mm. time. So, you know, I kind of corrected myself in the last two to three years, which is what I needed to then get out and transition. Uh, Met my business partner, who was my boss at the time, uh, Tony Diaz. Mm. And from there, I had recognized bad leadership in the Navy and good leadership in the Navy. So when I met Tony, his leadership was you know, kind of right up my alley. He's very motivational, inspiring, leads from the front. Um, he won't ask you to do something that he hasn't done himself. And uh, so from there, the momentum began. You and Tony mesh really well together, too. Dude, like, we're... Every time I hear you guys on boys. the phone, it's just Dude, fluid. Dude, he, he is... You cannot deliver... When you're in Tony's family, uh, Ohana, as we say in Hawaii, um, you can't deliver bad news to Tony. You know, when you say something to Tony that you think may be bad news, uh, he turns it into um, how to grow from it. Uh, he provides an extreme level of, of comfort and reassurance. Love that. And one thing that he shared with me early on in my career is he said, dude, no matter how hard you swing or, you know, um, how hard you want to press, I'll always have a couch you can crash on. And I, I kind of remember him saying that. He may not even remember saying that, but he said that, and I thought, how powerful that was because what do I have to lose? You know, when you have friends and good friends, good peace of mind, good peace of mind, dude, like why not swing for the fence? Why not go for it? You know, um, it's Jim Rohn, right? He always talks about, Hey guys, I got some, I got a spoiler alert for you. Uh, we don't make it out of life alive. Like that's risky. Life is risky knowing that you die at the end. Yeah, dude. Didn't that suck? Yeah. Like that sucks. And so, you know, you can live your life curled up in a ball in the corner. We'll bring you a blankie. We'll bring you three meals a day. We'll make sure that you're healthy. We'll make sure that you eat. Uh, and you can probably live to be 100 years old. Or we can just have a dope 50 to 60 years of going hard, just being killing aggressive, it. killing it. Um, you know, so Tony kind of instilled that in me in a big way. My father instilled that in me. The Navy instilled that in me. But, you know, everybody's just kind of polishing this rock. Do you think, um, do you think that it takes... Is Tony in here, by the way? No. Everyone needs a Tony. Everybody everyone needs, needs a Tony. Everyone needs a Tony. Yeah, there's life. Tonys everywhere. Do you think that it takes, I would say no, but do you think that it takes hitting that rock bottom moment 
to finally make that switch? Because I feel like a lot of people are looking for that. Mm -hmm. They're looking for that clear indication of, okay, I want to do business. I want to be an entrepreneur. And this is especially like the young, younger generation. I want to be an entrepreneur. And they always hear stories about, oh, getting a DUI or That's not rock some, something yeah. else happening or rock bottom even worse. Sure. And it's like, oh, at that point, I was like, I made that switch in my mind. I made that switch and I, and I excelled from there. Do you feel like people need that? I think before they need that, they need perspective, right? And I think perspective is extremely important because how we measure rock bottom usually is based on our own environment, mm -hmm. right? Uh, rock bottom to me um, at my current stage in my life is watching my mom being handed an American flag, uh, you know, thanking her for my father's service. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that day. That day stings even still today. I cannot hear taps or a bugle without being reminded of my father's funeral and the 21 gun salute. So everything is perspective. I have agents that call me um, or they'll call one of our loan officers and they're completely upset, annoyed, frustrated, going off. And it's such a minor thing for me. Not minor that I don't care, but right. minor in the fact that um, this is not a level of my pain point. I'm not affected by the frustration coming out of the telephone right now. Um, it, it would take my mom calling me saying that she has cancer. It would take my brother calling me saying that he's been given a couple. That would probably be a drop the phone, my day's kind of shot. So I'm not, you, you know, live. You live by that. I live by that. Dude. I remember you, you uh, when was it? This was, had to be the first or second week. You just, you walked up to me. It was me, you, Marissa, and we were inside uh, the office here. Mm -hmm. And you walked up to me and you just, you set that picture down. Mm -hmm. You know the picture I'm talking yeah. about. And it was that picture of your mom being handed the flag. Yep. And um, you just told me, you said, you need, you, you need a photo like this. You need something. You need a reminder. This is my reminder. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my reminder. When you think something stinks mm -hmm. and you think that you got it bad, boom. It ain't check, that bad. Check, check this. You know, uh, if we lived in a different world and uh, we had less friends that would get offended, um, things that they would complain about, I would probably ask them, do you have both your parents? And if they say yes, I say it's not that bad, right? Uh, remember, um, kind of a cool little phrase that we say around here is if you only woke up tomorrow with the things that you thank God for today, what would you have tomorrow? Mm. And so we have to be reminded about, you know, just truly how blessed we are. So I don't like to be the guy who, who says I got a DUI, you know, is this crazy part of my life. But it was a, it was a pivotal part of my life. And it was a, it was a, ping point. We call them ping points where I had good leaders that ping me back into a direction that um, I needed to be going. Um, you know, the, the law of intuition, the law of attraction, the law of the universe, all these things that come together uh, based on kind of where you put a lot of your focus and your energy. Mm -hmm. So, dude, energy. I just needed a yeah. boot camp apparently didn't spank it out of me in those nine weeks. So, uh, you know, I was still kind of a schmuck. And to be honest, I needed to get caught you know, with uh, alcohol in my system. I mean, thank God nobody was Everybody hurt. Everybody learns. Dude, yeah, thank God way. that nobody uh, died that day. Like, ask me, like, how I feel place. about drinking and driving now. Ask me how I feel about the idea of, you know, spending the night in the cooler, you know, jeopardizing my career, you know. And, and so it, everybody needs to have those moments, dude. Yeah. Those aren't rock bottoms. Those are ping points. Yeah. And, and, and you said, you know, you mentioned energy and having that energy. And I think that, uh, I think that, that's that's super. you need energy need a lot of energy mm. who sings that it's drake and it's totally not like that at what all. is that what, what it, it's not 
I got energy. Got, got a lot, lot of energy. energy. What does he say? People trying to drain me of this energy. Trying Ooh. to make a way for this player. Yeah. He know. doesn't say player, but oh, yeah. I like that. All right. But but I think that, you know, there are a lot of people out there watching that either have There's gotten, six people out there watching. Well, there are people who know people. Oh, got it. And okay. know people who have had a DUI, who have, who have had some sort of hardship in their life. And, you know, as soon as you make that switch, I feel like with your energy, you know, you, you, you make that mental switch. You're putting off a certain energy into the world, a, pos- a positive energy. Uh, and, and I think that if you use that as your fuel, there's really there's really nothing you can't accomplish. I mean, you're a prime example of that. Thanks, man. So I think it's incredible. I think if somebody told you when you got your DUI and you're sitting in that cell, someone walked in and said, hey, bro, in 10 years, you're going to be closing on your second building. You're going to be hiring more people. You're going to be changing more lives. You know, you would be like, who are you? Get out. Yeah. Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> I wouldn't kick that guy out. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, dude. Uh, the guy over there prophesying, come back over here. <laughs> Tell me more about my future. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. You know, um, a fun kind of thing that a coach of mine once told me is, can you, Chris, close your eyes and think back 10 years? Can you remember uh, what, and so I was 20, uh, let's say I was 30 when, uh, when we did this exercise. So I was trying to think when I was 20, when I was 20, I was in nuclear power school. I can see the uniform I was wearing. I can see the seat that I was sitting in in the nuclear power school class. I can even remember the lighting, the dim lighting in that class. And he said, okay, great. You can go back to it very easily. Now close your eyes and tell me what it looks like 10 years forward when you're 40. And I was like, "Mm, I see myself sitting behind a desk. I see a lot of employees. I see a very happy staff. And I wasn't even Tony's business partner at this time, you know? And so... Uh, to a certain degree, you have to have people around you that can speak life into you. And to, um, kind of your point and what you're talking about, I probably didn't know it was going to turn out this way. I didn't know that this building would come as fast as it did, or that we'd grow as quickly as we did with employees. But I knew that I was highly favored, right? I could sense this, this, this anointing or this blessing on my life. Um, along with a lot of God's children, I won't go too far into what religious beliefs are, but, um, uh, no, I will, man. Jesus has an anointing on me and I knew it. And I knew that, um, he speaks it through you, speaks through times, me, yeah. man. And sometimes through other people, right. And people, you know, like I said, those ping moments, your accountability brothers, we have our Tuesday, uh, morning Bible study filled with a bunch of dudes who we keep it real, man. Uh, some real stuff that's going on in this industry, in this community, in our lives. And, and people have to have a place to kind of confidently go before others and say, man, I messed up here. I could use some help. I could get some advice. I can use your love. I can use your time. Um, so, man, I've just been blessed to have those people in my life to, to be there for me. Yeah, and that's your opportunity to, to check yourself at times and, and just to be, just to influence, influence somebody else in a positive way and, and kind of create that lollipop moment, that, that butterfly effect that, sure. we've, that we've talked about. So I think that's that's really cool. Man, your questions are pretty easy. I thought you were going to ask me questions like how much I had in the bank or um, you know how much I make, my salaries, or <laughs> uh, you know um, with uh, with the direction of kind of you know we we talk a lot of leadership. We talk a lot of you know James and I, and now you and I talking about how we get to these moments in our lives. As an entrepreneur, um, there's always a reason why people are doing what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurs just see things a little bit different. They see something that can be better and they look forward to the 
they look forward to kind of seasons that people don't look forward to, right? Because they see opportunity in those seasons. Whenever people are hurting, uh, entrepreneurs will see opportunity. When people are, are happy, they'll see an opportunity. So um, they just feed off energy and their brains work in a way to, to figure a way to capitalize on that. And, you know, it doesn't work if you're surrounded by a bunch of pessimists, right? Um, with where we're at as a line mortgage and this entity that's here in San Antonio that's growing, it's crazy because I tell a lot of people, please show mercy. I've never taken a CEO class. Uh, I've never taken any sort of mortgage 101. Everything is basically experience, trial, error, failure, valleys, firings, quittings. You know, I've lost some love people, uh, some loved ones in my life who uh, I thought would be here till the end. Um, I've had some employees that, you know, I, I grew up with, dude, yeah. that, that used to work here and that aren't here today. Um, but it's all led to this moment, right? And um, the one thing that you can't forget to do is you just can't forget to celebrate that moment. Otherwise, you, you kind of wake up a little bit exhausted, gassed, and uh, questioning why you're doing what you're doing. Well, it's even on your worst days, you need to remember to just be, be grateful. I mean... You just always have to have that, that feeling of, of being grateful. And, and even though you've, you've had some troubling times, you, you know, running, running a business, um, like you said, it brought you here to where you are. And, and you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at that of like, oh, I lost so-and-so and that sucks. Or you can say, you know, I gained this individual. I gained that. Amen. Every person, dude, God's cleared the way, has just freed up more room. It's crazy, man. Um, Everything is God's timing, and everything that he does is, is for Word. the benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't recognize it right away. Sometimes it hurts, and it doesn't make sense. Edgar, if you got a question, man, type it out or, or feel free to ask. And I, I see Smothers is watching. Um, James. James and I were just having this conversation. Um, <laughs> good question, Edgar. I answer that. Uh, James and I were just having this discussion in regards to employees coming, employees going, you know, and, um, you know, it's not always fun, but... It's always in God's plan if you're walking in, in, in his uh, favor. All right. So Edgar asks, uh, what would I do without Cody Cotasquillo? Um, Demo dog. I would probably do what I was doing without Cody Cotasquillo. <laughs> and I love the dude. Uh, an amazing, amazing, amazing addition to our organization. Yeah. That guy challenges me in such a big, big way. But before Cody, uh, his name was Rylan Maddox. And before Rylan Maddox, his name was Mike Cortez. Before Mike Cortez, his name was Jason. And, and we've had a lot of individuals that have come through. Now, Cody, in my opinion, is uh, he's a unicorn. He's, he's, um, he's going down a trail that I haven't been down myself. And, and that's just of explosiveness. He's got a very explosive bone in his body. So as a leader... Uh, in regards to the law of the lid, when you recognize somebody's talents and, and their strengths, um, I have to grow faster. I have to keep growing. I have to keep reading. I have to keep measuring up because if I can't pour into Cody, then naturally people who want to be poured into, they'll go find a different place to get poured into. And um, so what would I do without Cody? <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't want to know. Uh, I love the guy to death. Um but if I didn't have Cody, I'd probably be out there looking for him. Mm. So that's, uh, that's well, that. So, Anybody else that has questions, please feel free to type them as well. And Ricky's got a list. He thinks he's going to roast me. Uh, but he's actually in the hot seat. Yeah, I'm in the hot seat. You're keeping it cool, though. You're asking very You're nice cool questions. Cucumber. I'm cool. 
Yeah. What's the hardest? What is the hardest part? Being a leader that that you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought it would it would be a challenge you know back in the day, but you're just like okay, this is definitely the hardest thing I have to deal with as a leader. Getting the buy-in. Uh, entrepreneurs and leaders are two different entities sometimes. Sometimes it's one of the same and sometimes it's two very different things. Most entrepreneurs are very reactive, right? Um, they want things now. They want to do it like on the spot. They see an opportunity and they jump on it. But when you have to slow down and get 44 other people to go with you, and when you have to, like when you see something and you're like, this would be so amazing, and you turn around and you realize you're when on you step 27 yeah. and everybody else is still opening the book on step three, you got to go back to them, right? And going back is, is not always in the DNA of an entrepreneur, but if you want to be a leader, it has to be. So I would say my biggest struggle and something that I'm still working on today is making sure that I have complete buy-in from the individuals that I'm leading. Otherwise, uh, as we've joked before, you're not really leading. You're just going for a walk, right? If nobody's mm. following you, uh, you're not leading. So making things easy, um, no matter how it's, it's looked upon, nobody likes to say the word sale, but you have to sell your crew sometimes um, because if your vision is too far out, if it's four years or five years, it's not very realistic, then um, it just sounds like it's really not so much a vision. It's more of a, you know, a fantasy. So you got to keep the sprints, short sprints. You got to give them fragmented goals, right? And you can't just juice them up on units and volume and quotas because then that's all they ever care about is units and, and volume and, and quotas. And, and, you know, because when you hit goals, your body releases that dopamine and people get addicted to that dopamine. And now they're missing dinners with their sweetheart. Uh, they're missing kids' birthdays because they're always chasing more units. Money's and volume the goals. master at that point. Money's the master, man. So early on, when you plant those seeds and, and when we hire people around here, we try to get them somehow, some way connected to the vision. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with coming to work at a place and wanting to make money. You need money. Uh, you got to support your family. You got to support yourself. You, want, you have foundations and all these other things you want to allocate money to. But the goal is to somehow tie that into what the company's doing because I think it creates a, a place of retention and um, people will stick around till the end to see it through, you know? You do a pretty good job at, at not setting the foundation as the money, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we, we, stay, we, we stay motivated around here and, and, and it's relevant and we know we got to hit these goals. We know we got to beat the competitors or whatever it is and that's there. But... I feel at the end of the day... Who's our competitor? Let me ask you this. Let me turn the script around. See if you're paying attention to our staff name, meetings. I don't want to name names, but... No, name a name. I'll name a name. You want to know my competitor? Go for it. Me yesterday. Yeah. That's my competitor. Mm. Bro, where have you been in our staff True. meetings? You're right. You know this. You're right. Yeah. Anything Ricky says is not endorsed by Line Mortgage of or Texas Chris or myself. No. I get what you mean, though. Yeah. No, but I mean, not not... Obviously, we're we're our biggest competitor because, you know, we're the coolest coolest people on earth. But I think everyone does understand that at the end of the day, we set the foundation here mm -hmm. on the people. Sure, we set it on the vets. We set it on the service before self, and that is so relevant around here. And it really does show whether you know. And and you know, every once in a while, you do have to check somebody and just be like, hey, you know, getting a little ahead of yourself. True. Bring it back. Pump the brakes. Remember why we're here. Remember what we're doing here and uh, the vision. And Who I do you think, think I care more about, our veteran buyers or our crew? Mm. 
who do you think, how do you think most people would answer that? In an organization, a leader who, and I know it's a tough question because we, you know, I'm a veteran, but if you, if your crew doesn't understand how much you care about them, how can they possibly care about sure. the veteran, right? So establishing a culture and an environment where uh, the staff knows they can come in here, make mistakes. They can come in here uh, with all their flaws on. They can come in here with their crying three-year-old because the babysitter didn't pick them up. So now we got a crying three-year-old in the office. Man, we are all just on this journey doing our best to get to heaven. And um, I'm in no place to judge. All we ask around here is is while we're building this and while we're discovering what aligned mortgage is and, and what it can be is that you act accordingly. Right, and we all live by a certain, um, you know, human morale, um, you, honesty, integrity, uh, courage, um, and I, I, I go over this with my production manager and my sales manager, and, and, and in these leadership meetings that we have, and I'm like, do we really need to write this down in their job description? Like, do we really need to say that you know disrespecting somebody is uh, frowned upon and that they'll get written up? Or can we just hire people who have that intuitive nature and understand that, right? Um, So, again, I've never taken CEO classes, man. I I don't know how this thing will look in the next uh, 10 years. Uh, It could completely fall apart. But I know what's got us here is by allowing individuals to come in with their imperfections and their flaws and and are hungry and motivated and want to change the world. And I'm just trying to give them a big enough backyard to run in, man. Experience um, is the best teacher. At the end oh, of the dude, day. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. This guy has so much wisdom. You guys taking notes? Wisdom. Charlie says, "Love it, brother." Hopefully, not too many mistakes. <sighs> Charlie, mm. don't mm. suck up to me on Facebook Live, sir. I'm coming after you and the files that need some TLC. No, I'm just kidding, Charlie. Uh, Charlie's one of our newer advocates. Charlie Braden, for you guys listening on the podcast. Um, he's a loan officer of ours. He was just talking about how, um, hopefully we don't make too many mistakes, but I hope more importantly, Charlie understands that you can make all the mistakes in the world as long as it's one less tomorrow than it was yesterday. Self-improvement's what we're looking for, making sure that you're a better version of yourself in that you'll add value. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we hire people not to go off on a tangent here, but we hire people kind of at the lowest level of mortgage knowledge they're going to have. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I don't believe that anybody comes here and loses information on uh, mortgages. I think they come here and they totally build in, into their library, into their mortgage bank. So when I'm hiring somebody, I feel like I'm hiring them at their worst. And so I just say, hey, congratulations, you have a job. You're the worst employee that you're ever going to be. Um, and now you get to every day come and improve upon it, right? I asked Cody yesterday, I said, we were sitting down. I said, when you came in here, when you started here two years ago or however, you know, two years and some change, did you know anything about this industry? Did you have any knowledge on it? Did you go to school for it? Read books on it? He said, I knew zero. <laughs> he said, I didn't even know what a LO was. Yeah. Cody asked me on month three if we had a checking and savings account here. Uh, I remember thinking, oh my. Like, <laughs> this dude is going to be problematic. And golly, man, uh, that's where I am just completely blown away at so many 
diamonds and gems that are working in some of these organizations that they just need a little bit of polishing. Mm. Um, we've had like Nick Ochoa, right? Mm. He's been such a, an explosive employee here at Align Mortgage of Texas. He's always been Nick Ochoa. I mean, it, it wasn't anything where he walked through Align Mortgage and there was this conversion that took place. The dude has always stood for morals. He's always stood for the consumer. He, he's got a strong core to him. He just needed to be dusted off and polished a little bit. And now the guy is one of the fastest growing teams we have, right? He's a team of four now, and, and he's still growing. Um, and so, you know, I don't care where people have come from. I don't care what they don't know. It's a matter of are they willing to improve upon themselves, and do we have a mutual understanding of where they stand? And then are they coachable? Mm. You know, uh, I, I, I posted a status yesterday that says um, – you know, some of these comments I'm reading on Facebook reminds me that I haven't been in a fist fight in a long time, right? right. Uh, dude, in the Navy, and some of my Navy buddies started commenting, we used to handle stuff on a submarine, and if my captain's watching, um, no, we didn't. We didn't fight ever in the engine room. But uh, in a hypothetical situation, we used to fight in the engine room, and, and we would just really kind of work our situations out, but we would... Just keep going after that. Man, it was almost like stronger. Like in order to sometimes have peace, you know, there was a little bit of war that existed there and it worked for us. Mm. Um, so I won't tell you that I came into this industry with the most PC, uh, you know, I wasn't the most HR friendly. I wasn't the most, and I still, to this day, And your gym etiquette just sucks. My gym bro. etiquette is the worst. Dude, I <laughs> offended somebody in the gym the other day. I almost got in a fight with the guy. Actually, it turned out to be a great guy. That's a long story for off the podcast. Mm. But, um, you know, myself included, man, uh, I did not know anything about the mortgage industry. I didn't know anything about leading women. Mm. I mean, dude, 150 guys, you know how crazy of a world it is when you're living underwater with 150 dudes. There's a leadership that goes with it. There's a vernacular that goes with it. And now, like, dude, I just watched the news last night and anybody who you know, uh, complains about a woman breastfeeding a child in a public place can get fined $500. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so happy I just watched that because now I know that and now I need the crew to understand that we're living in a world that is shifting very, very quickly. Mm. So if you as a leader or as a Cody Carrasquillo who's never worked in the mortgage industry or a young Ricky Labrador coming to work as an assistant, if you don't know how to recognize that and shift with it, then you're going to get left behind, right? You have to know how to handle these uh, these situations. What is the saying? It's the same thing that got you here won't get you there. What so got you here won't get you there. What got you here won't get you yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. absolutely, man. Um, you got to adapt. You got to adapt. And, uh, you know, for those who have been in my office here in San Antonio, they'll see a dry erase board that's filled from top to bottom. Let me see if I can just quickly showcase this. Um right there so these are all department heads that we're working on because you know we easily could have rested on the fact that we were number one uh the number one branch within the entire branch network that we were crushing units crushing volume mm. but we recognized what got us here was awesome we had all the right players all the right people we've all worked our tails off and now we have to move different but we have to go from 46 employees to 100 do you guys, do you leaders think that we have the right infrastructure to get us to 100 employees? Yes or no? Be real. Mm, no. Great. We have to, we have to shift. We got to evolve. As that shift happens and as we're, as we're in this process of recruiting, give me the, 
one word, best word for somebody who might be interested in coming to a line mortgage, the one trait they need to have in one word, what is it? I have, I have it in my head, but I want you to answer first. Man, I don't know if I want to say the one word. Um, what's your word? I really want you to say your word. No, I feel like if I say my word first, you're going to change your word. Really? Yeah. Well, okay, I'll say it. Teachable. Aligned. Dang. Dang. That's kind of like in yeah. the same realm. Yep. They have to be aligned. Explain. Um, my job as, uh, whether I'm a recruiting guy, whether I'm the leader, the whatever situation, if I'm in the interviewing process... Um, my goal is to create different situations in that interview that have to do with what our principles are, right? And I have to see if they're aligned with those same principles. Um, man, I, I, I give a, hey, Cody, you're tuning in. I, don't rewind, man. We were talking about you five minutes ago. Um, I have to be able to know that they're bought in. And so here's a quick, if you're watching this and you're going to work here in the future, I'm giving you uh, some insight. I will ask you what the name of our receptionist is when you come into interview. Mm. So you're sitting out there for three minutes and then you go into a signing room with me and I'm about to start asking you some questions. Question one, what was the name of the receptionist when you walk in? Question two, what address did you type in to get here today, right? Question three, uh, tell me three things that you saw in the lobby that you, uh, that you thought were pretty cool, right? Um, in other words, are they observant? Do they care to get to know people around them? And do they have any direction to where they're going, right? Mm. Um, and so usually people get all three totally wrong. They botch it. They don't know the address, um, which, you know, I'm a little lenient on because we are definitely a, 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 a generation of Google Maps and ways. turning, though. It but, gets... yeah, it gets them a little uncomfortable, yeah. right? Um, they usually apologize for not knowing Gianna's name. They're like, oh, that's it, Gianna. Yeah, she was so sweet. Um, in the lobby, there was... Uh, Hmm, there's coffee and because they come and they sit down and, and they're just probably on their phone and looking at something and, and I want them to or they're just themselves. overthinking the interview and they're just they're not really you know you come into an interview you're kind of just thinking about okay well, how's this going to go down what you know I'm not thinking of oh Gianna or this or that so so you so it's 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 a tale no matter what you know whether it's a good thing or it's a bad thing it's a tale this person when nervous shuts down Mm. right doesn't mean i'm not gonna not hire them it just means that now i know that whenever they're in a situation like an interviewing process or meeting with a client taking a loan application or they may not be aware of what's going on but you know and, and i'm totally hyping this up and beefing up uh making myself look like a mean interview person mm. um but i like to know not how people, at all dude i like how people respond under pressure yeah you know, i want to create that pressure you challenge, you challenge people in your own little weird way all the time. And yeah. it's so different. It's so different. I don't know where you learned it from. I don't know if it was Tony. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was one of these million books that are up on this shelf right here. I don't know who said, Chris, let's ask people the most random questions that's going to get them to think so hard about their answer. It's like your questions are almost so simple that it makes them so complicated at the same time because mm -hmm. you're just like, okay, how do I answer this? And you asked, you challenged me like that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, hold on, let me let me think, let me write this down. Because you just, you want, you're looking for the right answer. Dude, I love that you write stuff down too, man. Um, because I think at the end of the day, I don't, uh, 
I, I don't want to spill the beans and say why I do it, man. Sometimes it is for entertainment purposes. Mm. Uh, like I do want to ask a little kid. Um, we had a signing going on the other day, and there's a little kid standing right outside my office while his parents were in their signing, and he was just staring at me, dude, digging. Like, mm. and I opened the door, and I was like, how? In a very like adult way, how long have you been picking your nose? You know, uh, and and he just had no idea how to respond to that. There was no training opportunity there. I wasn't trying to pour into him in any way. I was just for pure entertainment. Just now, if you were at your desk digging into your nose, I'd probably shift it in a way to say, hey man, if you could somehow save money as good as you pick your nose, we can move <laughs> mountains. And it would be funny, it'd be simple, and you would really get a, a, a take something out of it. Take that. something out of it. But, and just by the way, while he's interviewing you, I will be in the parking lot, looking to see how dirty your car is. <laughs> yeah, Ricky. Uh, Ricky, definitely. The details are are something that I overlook at times, and and that's why having a very detail oriented person nearby me is so important. And so we'll kind of go off on on this note. Um, as a leader, you have to understand what your weaknesses are, and then how to surround yourself with people that fill those gaps. Um, Ricky, when when. I posted that Facebook status looking for an executive assistant. I could care less about anybody that had executive assistant skills. I knew more about myself and what I was lacking than I cared about what somebody told me about them, mm. right? And that's why I have no training regimen for my assistants because it has nothing to do with them and everything to do with my gaps. So I could have hired somebody who was extremely good with admin work, or I could ask myself, what happened in 2018 that I don't want to continue have happening in 2019? I didn't work out as often as I wanted to, if at all. Um, you know, I was losing a lot of my time with going and, and caring about certain things like making sure the car's washed, making sure that... And you, I mean, dude, I could have gone and spent the same money hiring a personal trainer. So why not hire somebody as an assistant uh, and you just benefit from all the strengths that they bring to the table? Fill the gaps. Fill the gaps entirely, man. So uh, you have that strong point in you, your ability to assess situations and know where to fill the gaps. I think it's a dying breed because, you know, when you go into any bookstore today, all you see are big sections for self-help. There aren't a lot of sections that talk about serving others. So you're either born with it, you're either inspired with it by the way your parents raised you, or it's a learned attribute, but you got it, man, and I think it'll take you, uh, you know, far and... It's kind of the reason why I got so many people pissed that I didn't call them back on their resumes, man. Touching on the interviews, paper or video? Video. Video all day. Man, actually, it's more than video. Uh, catch me off guard. Mm. Get my attention. Um, I am becoming more and more of a jerk in responding to people on all platforms. It's your ADD, bro. Don't worry. You know, uh, it, it's text messages. It's phone calls. If my phone doesn't say... Mama Rosie on it. Mm. Um, I'm probably going to push it to the right. right. And then by the time I get home, you know, I got a sweetheart that wants, uh, you know, my love and my attention. And um, I just feel like you in, in this day have to get people's attention somehow. And, and yours happen to be a video. But man, dude, if you see me on the road, run me off the road. You know, just slam into me. Let's uh, not do that for the record. Don't run him off the road. Get my We attention. need him. Get my attention. <laughs> Throw some nails in the street. 
You run a tire shop, throw some nails in the street. I'll pull into it. You, while you're changing my tire, ask me anything you want mm-hmm. about mortgages because you got my time, my energy. The one thing I will give myself credit for is when you do finally get a hold of me, I usually give you all my attention. And I told that uh, the guys in the men group know that. Um, you know, I'm sorry I don't talk to you guys for the course of the week, but on Tuesday morning while we're here, we're here. Uh, phone's down. What's up? How you doing? So um, just be present, right? Yeah. Nice. Thanks for interviewing me, bro. You got it. You think anybody got any knowledge or any value out of this? I did. How would you sum up this podcast? How would I sum it up? If you had to title this podcast, what would you title it? Life. Ooh. I was going to say Selena y los Dinos. (laughs) It was kind of very like artsy. Like Selena was artsy and this podcast was kind of artsy. Uh, some takeaways. Give me a couple of takeaways from this podcast. What a 23-year-old millennial learned in today's hour sesh. If you mess up, it's not a life sentence. Unless and it is a life sentence. Then that sucks. Then but, <laughs> you know, if, if you make a mistake, if you, if you do something, don't live in regret because it's not a life sentence. It's all about how you treat it, how you approach it, and how you adapt from it. Got it? Yeah. Give me one more. Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to talk about the interview process. Man. Uh, Go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Eh, if it, I, I think that's any podcast. No. You're reaching now. Go the extra mile whenever you're, you're trying to get in contact with you. Oh, got it. I mean, you know, not just you, but anybody, anybody. in any, any sort of, you know, position where you, you're trying to impress. Do the extra stuff, even though it might seem corny. You don't know how corny I felt making a video upstairs in, in my parents' house. Yeah, that was weird. For 10 minutes. It was weird and watching it. It took five tries. And yeah. then I had to break it up into four separate sections. And I felt like, should I even be doing this? No. And you shouldn't have. And I did it anyways. I hope and I see you still. Here I am. Yeah, you're here. Annoying me in yep. person now. Uh, Drinking still bangs. awkward. Yep. Uh, you know, fun fact my hair was sticking up in the back this morning. Ricky oh went to his car, got his gym bag, took out his hair product, used his own hands, and pulled it down for me. Mm. I then said, Hey, brother, hit the mustache. And he was like, and I stopped him because I don't know where those hands have been. But uh, <laughs> awkward to the core, which is why I am so attracted to the energy of this dude. Uh, I like awkwardness around me, it makes me feel uncomfortable, and that's where I like to uh, operate. But mm. my takeaway from this is always lead uh, from your level of perspective, not somebody else's. Um, operate in the moment and know how to know how to get your crew to, to respond. There's no playbook on building a business or being an entrepreneur. Uh, allow the market to give you the data that you need and then adjust from there. But if your heart's telling you to do one thing, fire somebody, hire somebody, shift somebody, then do it and mm. give it enough time to react. Once the market tells you if it works, then it works. If the market tells you it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, but then you can assess the situation. So don't live in fear. Go forward. Be bold. Bada bing, bada, bada boom. boom.